The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Donald Trump made history yet again yesterday, becoming the first president ever to be arrested and have his mugshot taken. The picture has been now doing the rounds on media, social media and on a grifting site that Donald Trump has set up to try to get campaign finance donations from the people. Um, and he's even returned to Twitter to help with that uh, undertaking. Marion McKeown is the US correspondent for the Business Post and she joins me now. Morning, Marion. Good morning, Anton. Good to talk. And you. So Donald Trump has found himself arrested and mugshotted and he is trying to make money off the back of it. Well, you know, I think that last bit is not at all surprising, as indeed, I suppose, are neither of the are the first two bits. Uh, yet with lightning speed, I have to say, we had Lara Trump, who is Donald Trump's daughter-in-law, of course, uh, earlier speaking about how they, the campaign would monetize this mugshot and that it would be immediately sort of put on to mugs and T-shirts and bumper stickers and what have you and uh, sold as, you know, as a fundraising initiative. And literally, no sooner had the mugshot come out than the the Trump campaign, with impressive alacrity, had photoshopped it onto every single one of their already pre-existing, um, you know, T-shirts and long sleeve shirts and sweatshirts and mugs and coffee holders and what have you. So they really do fully intend to monetize this, to milk it for all it's worth. But to me, it's such a bizarre story statement of where America is that, you know, the day that a former president has a mugshot taken, and okay, conceivably, this could have been his fourth mugshot, but for, you know, the fact that in the federal courts and, and in the New York state court, they decided not to do it. But but the fact that it, it's a profoundly depressing thing to happen, I think, for America, but that the brashness and that it was greeted with and and almost as a sort treated as almost a victory lap and another way of making money and another way of firing up the base and you know it, it, it I'm not sure what it says about where America is at the moment but I don't really think it's anything good there seems to be an extraordinary disconnect though between performance and objective metrics and political popularity. Because if you look at, at Biden, whether you like or dislike the man, the economy is in a good position. Most of the policy platform that he was elected on, he is delivering with eh, comparable success with other decent presidents over the years. On the other hand, Donald Trump is facing four separate sets of indictments and charges and has, hasn't got the record of policy delivery that Biden had, yet is neck and neck in the polls. Yeah. Um, And I think the fundamental difference is uh, that with Trump, it's not so much a political movement as a cult. And people who are in the tank for Trump are so committed to him. They are absolutely passionate about him. I was in Iowa uh, last week in Florida and Georgia, various states. And, you know, it's the Republican Party, I think, at the moment is I would say the split, if not quite 50-50, is close, that you have about half of the party, if not slightly more, who regard anyone who even challenges Trump in a, in a primary as an absolute traitor. As as people who are a disgrace to the Republican Party, they believe that this nomination is, is his by right, that he is in fact the president, he is already the incumbent, and therefore nobody should challenge him. And then you have probably, I think, a growing number of Republicans who are feeling just a little bit queasy about all of this. They're feeling just a little bit that, A, 
it's so unlikely that he can win. He may be neck and neck against Biden at the moment in these hypothetical polls. But, you know, 14 months down the line, it, it, it's it's pretty likely at least one, if not more, of the criminal trials will have been concluded. They are strong cases. Nobody knows how a jury will decide. But I think they feel that it's not just the risk that they associate with Trump, but just that the party has really kind of wandered off the reservation. And, and I think the debate was such a sign of that that where you didn't have Trump on stage and you had a party that seemed to have no real idea what the party was about when it wasn't about Donald Trump. And I think that this is a real problem for Republicans at the moment. And the ones who, as I say, they're probably slightly less than half who really don't want another Trump term um, are kind of casting about and they really want somebody else. But at the moment, they're not seeing. They thought it was Ron DeSantis. Uh, you don't have to spend too much time, trust me, with Ron DeSantis to realise he really ain't it. <laughs> you know, he's like a slightly malfunctioning robot. Um, and, and he just, you know, so I think that they're looking and just thinking that I think some some of the people I speak to are sort of philosophical about that they do need some time in the wilderness, that they might just need to be beaten in 2024 and that that might be the only way that Trump will actually go away and that then they can regroup at some point you know, after that. But I think at the moment, it looks like you can never tell the American politics, but it looks like Trump is so far ahead um, in the polls with, with this nomination that he might not be catchable no matter what. And that then, you know, what plays well in the primary won't necessarily play well in the general election. Can you explain one bit about the possible challenges? You mentioned DeSantis uh, being in character terms like a malfunctioning robot. But he was extraordinarily successful in the gubernatorial race for Florida. Extraordinary because where other gubernatorial candidates for the Republicans didn't do well, he bucked the trend and bucked it by a mile. He had huge yeah. momentum. He was seen as the the pretender to the Trump throne. How did either we get it all so wrong back then or has it gone all so wrong now? No, I think that what uh, Ron DeSantis now, when he was in Congress, uh, he was not popular. He was a congressman for a couple of terms. Uh, he, you know, several people said to me he was just odd. He was a hard guy to like. He was just, you know, he, he's a, he's an awkward guy. He's got, he's got kind of Nixon level awkwardness. You know, like he's just got that. Uh, and then he went to Florida. Trump endorsed him and he was only, um, he, one, he was beaten, or he beat Andrew Gillum by, I think, less than a percent. Andrew Gillum was a very charismatic rising star in the Democratic Party, really um, articulate young black politician. And then he got embroiled in scandal and, and DeSantis basically romped home. And then DeSantis, I think, did some things that people liked in Florida. Uh, and 2022, after the midterms, like you say, he didn't just win, he brought the whole state, everyone in the state he brought with him. He, he turned the state red. And it seemed like he was the guy. But it's one thing to be the guy down in Florida, which, trust me, I've just come back, is a very strange state. And, you know, then he started all these culture wars and the war with Disney. And and people even in Florida started going a little bit, well, we didn't really sign up for all this. And now I think, as I said, having seen him in Iowa and in all these other places, it's sort of excruciating to watch him. To me, what was interesting in this debate uh, last night was 
the skill with which Nikki Haley is carving out a path for herself, because I thought not that Aindam had a particularly good night, but I thought that she had the most strategic night and that what she was signaling um, was, I think, to people that, look, if you need a middle ground, you know, if you need somebody, basically the the, the 50% of the Republican Party I was just talking about, the ones who just want a sane conservative candidate, um, she would she made the best case for that, I thought, last night. But, you know, we'll see where it goes. There's another debate next month. And um, I suspect that a few of the ones who were there last night won't make the grade. There, the, Vivek Ramaswamy, of course, was the guy everybody was talking about, which was exactly what he had planned, uh, because he got up there and insulted everyone. And he was pretty irrepressible. And you could just see that <laughs> he really was the annoying you know, usurper in the room. But uh, I I thought, though, that, you know, it was interesting to see them slug it out without Trump sucking up all the oxygen. But at the same time, it felt like there was no, a a party that just doesn't, has lost its identity. And, And unless Trump's there to tell them who they are, they don't really seem to know. And I think that is a problem. You talked about the, a possible period in the wind, wilderness and a regrouping for the Republican Party. How do how does America put so much of the broken bits of its political system back together? Because even if you look at that debate, we moved from a situation where you had ostensibly independent networks chairing debates uh, in the, the run-up to Democratic and Republican primaries to the debate the other night being held by Fox News, which is expressly yeah. set up as a, a propaganda arm of the, the Republican Party. That was the intent of its creation. And at the same time, the lead pretender to the nomination is able to put out a campaign promotional video with Tucker Carlson that gets 250 million views. Yeah, Uh, you know, it it really does, as again, speak to just that, that the fascination with Trump. And I think that with, with the, the 250 million clicks, that does not suggest for a second that people watch the entire thing. Now, I did because I had to. <laughs> and, you know, believe me, yeah, I, I found it just weird and boring. And it was though as though Tucker Carlson was trying to, you know, was desperately searching for clickbait as in, you know, to Trump, do you think they're going to try to kill you? You know, what about Jeffrey Epstein? What about civil war? That it's almost like they were ginning up this sort of um, hysteria between them. And, you know, it it is a, a really strange time in America because Americans are very, very angry. And even though in theory, the economy is supposedly turning around everybody I was talking to, um, as I say, in, in different states over the last couple of weeks, said my mortgage is the highest it's been in 30 years. You know, petrol's gone up in price again. I can't afford all of our loans have gone up. And so if there is prosperity and if the economy is on the up, which all the metrics are there, but people aren't feeling it. And that that's the disconnect for the Democrats. And that's their big problem, that even though Joe Biden is telling everybody, look, we've turned the economy around, we avoided a recession, you know, inflation is down from 9% to 3% in a year. All of these things are very solid. But if people aren't feeling it, um, then, you know, can you harness that That if, if, if as far as they're concerned everything is costing them more money than it was and they're poorer than they were, you know, four years ago. Marion, thanks very much for coming on at a a still fairly ungodly hour from your perspective. (laughs) Marion McKeown, US correspondent for The Business Post. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.